I've had occasion in my life to meet, I won't call them celebrities or famous people, because, uh, but people who are known. Okay, I, I, I've met people who are more widely known than I am. We'll put it that way. Um, not people you would consider interesting to meet, but people that I might consider interesting to meet. A lot of them were um, through, when I was in college, Harding has uh, a lecture series called the American Studies Lecture Series. And they would bring in um, world leaders and people of note, policymakers, things like that, and they would speak. And I, I went to dozens of these, uh, of these presentations over the years. And while I was in college, because I was a part of certain organizations, I got to go to these receptions that they had beforehand and meet some of these people. Now, I heard people like Margaret Thatcher and both George Bush, both, both Presidents Bush, uh, Barbara Bush, um, Tommy Franks, I've I heard uh, some, some wonderful speakers, and I've got to meet a handful of people that I thought were pretty cool to meet. Uh, again, names that you may not be impressed with, but two names that you might know, maybe, Steve Forbes and Ben Stein. Now, Steve Forbes, Forbes Magazine, uh, he ran for president a couple of times. i got to tell you, uh, every time I see this guy on TV, I mean, he's got the personality of tree bark. I, he just seems like the most uninteresting person that you've ever seen in your life. So I was really curious to meet him because I thought maybe he's not quite as stiff and dry in person, right? I, I, I walked up to meet him and shook his hand, and I instantly knew he was every bit as boring as what he seemed to be on television. Meeting him, a great guy, I mean, just a, lot of, a great thinker, really successful guy, but but man, not somebody you want to have a long conversation with. Uh, and and it, was, it was interesting uh, because everything I thought I knew was confirmed by my having met him. Now, the other name I mentioned is Ben Stein. Some of you might know that name, uh, but, but you definitely know him if you saw him. Uh, if you've seen the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, this is the teacher, Bueller, Bueller, that guy, okay? Now, he was actually uh, a speechwriter, and he worked in the Nixon administration. He's an economist. Uh, he, um, he did the Clear Eyes commercials in the 90s, the eye drops, okay? He has that monotone voice. When you see him, you think, that must be the most boring guy in America. Met him in person, shook his hand. One of the most personable, energetic people you could ever meet. We had a great conversation, really fascinating guy, and, and a great speaker. Um, so in that case, meeting him changed some things about what I thought by his public persona and how he presents himself uh, in some of the things he's done. And I learned a lot more about who he was, what his background was. Meeting people changes our perception. Meeting people gives us a better indication of who they are. Coming in contact with people helps us to better understand other people. We see in Scripture a call repeatedly to do two things when it comes to Jesus. One is to be more like Jesus. We're to be imitators of Christ, we're told. We are to try to emulate how Christ lived and how he treated others. And his gospel, his good news, which was him, his life and his death and resurrection, we are then also to carry out into the world, and we're told that in the Great Commission. When Jesus 
uh, tells his disciples, and that is given by extension to us in, in, in the, the end of Matthew and other Gospels when he says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This was our directive. This is what we've been given. We are to be like Christ, and we are to teach Christ. Those two things are important aspects of how we live and what we're called to. There was a big fad, big fad back when I was a kid. Um, and so whenever I look at younger people today and their fads and their fashion trends, I, and I snicker, I have to remember, we had our things too. Oh, man. And every kid in the youth group, and I, went, I grew up at a Christian school, so of course we all had them too, the, the what would Jesus do bracelets. The WWJD bracelets. Everybody had one. And, uh, and it was supposed to remind you to do what Jesus would do, right? Everybody wore them. I, there were athletes that started wearing them, celebrities, you'd see them. Uh, and it was supposed to say, what would Jesus do? Uh, I, I even laugh sometimes when, when I see people who, who are in public life and, and they, are not, they don't appear to be living as someone who is... Uh, uh, following after Jesus, and, and they like to, and they use that slogan. It's still, people still say it. What would Jesus do? WWJD. And I just think, hmm, that's interesting. What would he do? Um, hmm. I don't know that they've thought about what that means. I don't know that we thought about it as we wore that on our wrist every day when we were in the 7th and 8th grade uh, in the early 2000s, late 90s. Oof. What would Jesus do? Now, if we're called to be more like him, and to spread his gospel. How can we do that? How can we respond to the question, what would Jesus do if we don't know him? The implicit instruction of scripture over and over is, you need to know Jesus. When we look at the verses that, that uh, Thomas read for us this morning, and really when you look at the entirety of the gospel of John, we've been studying the gospel of John on Sunday mornings in our Bible class online, and we're, repeatedly this theme comes up. And it comes up really strong in chapter 6, 7, and 8. And it, and it comes back to it later. And everything Jesus does when he's questioned by the rulers and the teachers, he comes back to this. When they say, who are you? Why do you do this? What authority do you do it? He, he comes back to this same theme. And you can read through those chapters and see it over and over. I am the Son of God. If you know God, you will know me. And if you know me, you will know God. And if you want to know who sent me, it's God. And you can't separate. I made the point this morning in class. You can't separate the two. He says, if you accept God, you have to accept me. And if you accept me, you've accepted God. The two are one. Even though Jesus is acting in a particular role on behalf of us to be the sacrifice that he will be, to know God is to know Jesus, and to know Jesus is to know God and to understand and accept his authority is to understand and accept him. So if we are called to know him or to be like him and to preach his gospel and to teach and to share his message, we have to know him. And to know him is to know God. That is an important part of Christian living. Get to know God. Have a relationship with God. To do that, we have a relationship with Jesus. Now, I talked about meeting people and how important that is and developing an understanding of them. 
and how important it is and into getting to know and, 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 and see and learn about them and to build a relationship. It's very hard to build a relationship without meeting someone. You hear about it more often now because it's really, it's really fascinating how technology has changed so much of society, even dating. You know, used to you had to go out somewhere to try and meet people, right? I, I don't speak as, I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't, didn't do a lot of that. Had a lot of, had a lot of girls uh, express a lack of interest, but, but I, I understand, that I've been told, that you had to go out somewhere, and you had to, you know, you had to have some courage to go out and socially put yourself out there, and now it's different. You can sit at home, you can get on your phone, you can, you, there's different apps and different services. You can meet people and you can meet people, get to know them a little bit, and then build up the courage to maybe go out in person. A crazy notion. It's changed things, but still remains the, the fact. It's hard to know someone until you meet them. It's, it's hard to know someone until you get into a relationship, build a relationship through contact with them. Now, how can we know God? We have to know Jesus. And how can we know Jesus? We've got to meet Jesus somewhere. We've got to, we've got to meet with him. Listen to him. Talk to him. Learn from him. Now, that presents an inherent challenge for us. It's 2021. Jesus hasn't been present physically on this earth in quite some time. So how can we meet Jesus? How do we get to meet him? We read about him, and in some ways that's meeting him. To read an account of his life, to hear the things he said, to read the things he said, that's a form of meeting him. And in some ways it's all we have. I understand that. So we have to know the word. We have to be in the word. We have to study the word. We have to love the word. And we particularly have to love what the word tells us about Jesus. Please understand, all of Scripture serves a singular purpose, to point the way to Christ. All of the Old Testament, for all of the crazy laws and the interesting stories and the really out there prophecies sometimes, it all is directing us to what's coming. And all of the New Testament, for all of its doctrine and all of its teaching about, about the church and about our relationships with one another, is reflecting what Jesus has already taught. On both ends of the gospel, the direction is pointed back to the story of Jesus. So to be like him, to teach him, we must know him in order to know God. And to know him, we've got to meet him. And to meet him, we've got to get into the word. But even still, in reading the story of the gospel and knowing about Christ's life and his ministry, there is always a degree of separation because we physically can't be with him or haven't been with him. There is a, an advantage that those who lived in his time, and it's a very small number of people in the grand scheme of the existence of this earth, but there's a small number of people who literally stood face to face with him, who, who touched him, who heard his voice. That's an incredible blessing that they had in their life. What a time for them to live. What a wonderful thing to experience. And how I would love to experience that. I have no doubt that my faith would be deepened and I would be touched in a very deep and profound way if I could have been there. So we have the next best thing. We have the accounts of his life. 
And as you read through the Gospels, as you read through the Gospels, you will see Jesus encountering certain people. He encounters people like the Samaritan woman at the well. And to her, is the, she's the first person that we have an account of where God, or excuse me, Jesus reveals that he is the Son of God. The first time he ever reveals that to another person, it's to her. We have him encountering people who are sick, and he miraculously heals them. We have him encountering people who are inquisitive, like the rich young ruler who he instructs and who goes away sad. We have him encountering people caught in sin and him showing compassion. We have all of these examples of people meeting Jesus, just as we would like to. And so it might be a beneficial exercise, and we're going to undertake this exercise over the next few weeks in a series called Meeting Jesus. And we're going to look at the accounts of these different people. We only see them show up like one time. Some of them don't even have a name. They show up in the story. They meet Jesus. Something profound happens, and then they're gone again. But if we can put ourselves in their shoes, if we can understand their encounter and their perspective, we might be able to meet Jesus a little bit closer ourselves because we share a lot of characteristics with those people. We have found ourselves in sin. We have found ourselves in question. We have found ourselves in doubt. We have found ourselves ostracized. We have found ourselves in shame and in joy and in pain and in happiness. And all of those different people met Jesus at one time or another. And in meeting him, just like it occurs when we meet people, like it happened when I met Ben Stein and Steve Forbes, we learn something. We have ideas confirmed or changed. When we meet someone in person and we interact with them in the context of what our life is, changes how we see them. And we need to get to know Jesus a little more personally. And to do that, we've got to put ourselves into that story. So we're going to look at some different accounts, different stories of these people that meet Jesus, that interact with him, and how he touches their life and how he changes them, and what he tells them. Some of them have happy endings. Some of them have sad endings. Some of them have something in between and ambiguous. But maybe we can connect a little bit with those people that met him. And maybe we can hear Jesus not speaking to them, but speaking to us. Because it reveals something about his nature, how he treats other people he meets in his ministry. And if it's revealing his nature, then it certainly is revealing God's nature and God's nature toward us. And we, in understanding those things, can be better equipped to carry forth the message, to know him more deeply. Let's look at John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. 
In your law it is written, the testimony of two people is true. I'm the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. Jesus was chased out of the temple for saying that. He was rejected by the people of his time because they had no interest in knowing him because he wasn't what they expected in a Messiah. He came saying, I'm the Christ, and they said, not the Christ we're looking for. But what he says there to them is very challenging. If you know me, you know the Father, and if you want to know the Father, you have to know me. I'm bearing witness to who I am. God is bearing witness to who I am. It's confirmed on the basis of their own law and on the basis of reason. God and Jesus cannot be separated. If we are to know God more closely, if we are to be more like Jesus Christ, if we're to want to understand what would Jesus do, we have to know him. We have to know him through the word. We have to know him through his life. We have to know him in the things he said and did with others. And there are so many wonderful stories in, his, in the gospel, in his life, where he encounters people. And they're not the people that one would think he would encounter. Jesus didn't come to the preachers. He didn't come to the elders. He came to everyone else. He didn't come to the spiritual officers. He didn't come to the religious elite. He didn't come to the well-educated. And that's not to say those people are, have no place in the kingdom, but they don't have a place in the kingdom on the basis of those things. Jesus informed us that the gospel is for all, that God is for all. In the lesson we had this morning from, from John, he's talking about being the shepherd, being the good shepherd, that there's only one way into the fold where the, where the sheep are, and he is that way. And he also enters through that way, so he's both things, but he leads the sheep. And then he says this. He says, I have sheep that are not in this fold. They're somewhere else. And I've got to get them too. He's talking about us. He's talking about the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. Jesus opened the door for all of us because God sent him to do that. Because God's love is bigger than just Israel. If we want to know God, we need to know Jesus. And we don't want him to show up one day and us to... Because what does he say on the judgment? As Jesus describes it, when we stand before God, what does he say to those who've been separated out? He says, depart from me for what? I never knew you. The greatest punishment in our, in our existence, the worst thing to hear is, I don't know you from the mouth of God. Isn't that something that's it's so critical and so important? We don't think about it, that important word, no. We want to know God. We want him to know us. And Jesus makes it clear. To know me is to know him. So let's get to know Jesus together. And let's dive deep into how he interacts with others and how he speaks to us through his conversations with them. And I hope that we'll both be informed and encouraged that we have a Savior that didn't just live long ago for a few years and 
and go to be with the Father, and, and it's not some abstract thing. We accept it by faith. We accept it even though we don't see it and we didn't experience it. And that's wonderful and that's right. But we should never cease in our attempts to understand and get closer to knowing who he was and what he taught and just how much he loves us. Because the death of Jesus wasn't an abstract thing, just a pro forma, step-by-step, cookie-cutter, cookbook kind of salvation. He went there even though everything about his humanity said he didn't want to. He went there even though he asked God to not make him. He went there because your eternal destination required it and relied on it. And he followed through. Your name, your name, was on his lips while he hung on the cross. He knew you. Let's know him. I look forward to this series and to exploring some of these interactions and conversations. And maybe you'll find something in common with some of those people. Maybe you'll find something in common with those that he interacts with. They're just bit players, but can you imagine having your story recorded for all of time as interacting with the Savior? Well, maybe you did. Maybe you did, in a way. Maybe you'll discover it as we study this together. If you feel yourself challenged, if you feel yourself beaten down, if you feel yourself weak and weary by the world, there is a Savior who has your name on his heart, who cares about you, and who wants to carry you through those hard times. And there is a church family who wants to hold you and support you and encourage you in that as well. We want to be Jesus for one another. We want to make this church a little taste of heaven on earth. We're trying to emulate what we see demonstrated in Christ. And we want to offer that to those who are hurting, even amongst us. If you have a need this morning, Uh, To be encouraged or to be made whole, we encourage you to let that be known as we stand together and while we sing.